and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Who in here considers themselves a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, me. Good, everybody. Um, well, that's great. That's wonderful to see. Tonight, we're going to look at a little bit of what God's Word says about followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it takes to follow him. And you can turn to Matthew chapter 4, and we'll start off by looking at the time when Jesus Christ was inviting people to follow him. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So here's Jesus Christ beginning his ministry. In the early days of his ministry, he's been going around and teaching, and people have started to hear him. People have heard the things that he's taught. And he's gone and found some of those people that have heard him teaching and invited them to follow him. We started off with Peter and Andrew, two brothers that were fishermen, and then a couple other fishermen, James and John, sons of Zebedee. And these men were willing to immediately leave their nets, leave their fishing business, leave their families, and follow Jesus Christ. Now, although it would appear from just reading it in this account that this all like, kind of just happened quickly, there's time that's, that's transpired here. This isn't like, you know, in those movies that were made, like especially the ones back in the 60s and 70s where, you know, the first time they ever see Jesus... He just walks up to them and he says, follow me. And they just kind of, you know, with a glazed look, blindly follow him. 
it's not something mystical here where he has some mystical power over them. They had free will. They made a choice. They made a decision to follow him. They made that because of the love for God's word that they had. They made that because of the wisdom and the accuracy he taught it with. They made that because of the power they saw him operate. And because of that, they chose to follow him, to follow him. And other people, as we read, also heard him and saw the great power of God he walked with, the healings he did, the help he gave people. And they also made the decision, multitudes of people, that to follow him. Multitudes of people follow Jesus Christ. What does it take to follow somebody? What does it take to follow somebody? Did you ever play, when you were a kid, um, games like follow the leader? Have you ever played with, with your children, other children, like listening games where they have to follow instructions? Those are great games to play. We used to do that back when we um, worked with children in childcare. And we'd play games like um, on and off the blanket. It was really a simple little game. You'd say on, and everybody jumped on. You'd say off, and they all jumped off. And then you tried to get tricky, you know. You'd go faster, and you'd, you know, see if they were really listening because you'd get this kind of rhythm going on, off, on, off, off. <gasps> oh, you just caught a few. You threw it up a little bit. If you're going to follow, if you're going to follow somebody that's leading, you have to really pay attention. Ever have somebody follow you or you follow somebody in a car? You have to really pay attention. Now, if you're the only two cars on the road, that's not too difficult. But get on a highway and try following somebody. Now, that gets to be another matter, doesn't it? The more crowded it is, the more distractions there are, the faster you're going, the busier that scenario, the more difficult it is to follow, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, following does take paying close attention. And here, these people, if they were to follow Jesus Christ, they had to really pay close attention to his words, to his instructions. Because if we want to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's more than just following where he walks. Yes, these people literally followed him at times where he walked, but there's a greater depth to it. When they followed him, it means that they became followers of him. Followers of the way that he lived. Followers of the way that he acted. Followers of the things that he said. In order to follow Jesus Christ, we have to pay close attention to him. We have to keep our eyes on the master. And we have to follow his instructions. We have to follow his words. And sometimes in life, life gets real busy. And the busier life gets, the more difficult it is to keep our eyes on him and to follow him. The more distractions there are, the more... The, other people try to get in the way. The more that, you know, other things come up, the more difficult it might become to follow. But we want to be followers of Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8, there's some people that come along and tell Jesus Christ that they'd like to follow him. And 
he's blessed that they'd like to, but he also makes it clear to them what's involved if they truly want to be followers. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Here's the scribe, and he says, Boy, you're, you're the teacher. You're the master. And I will follow you anywhere you go. I will just follow whatever you do and wherever you go. Let's see what Jesus Christ says. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He's telling him, if you're serious about this, let me, know, let, let me tell you what you're getting yourself in for. Foxes have holes, the birds of the airs have nests. They have homes. They have permanent dwelling places. But the Son of Man, he doesn't. He didn't have a place that he called home. The life that he was living was one that was very demanding. Jesus Christ had a short ministry and had a lot he needed to get done during that time. He had a lot he had to do for the Father, and the time was very short. And he didn't have time to go buy a house and do all these things. And he told this person that wanted to follow him, if that's the case, well, you better be prepared for living that kind of life. Were, those, were there people that did follow him that way? Yeah, the 12 did, didn't they? The 12 apostles did go wherever he went. And they were with him at all times. They were willing to make that commitment. And this scribe claimed that he was, but it doesn't, his name isn't added to the list of the 12. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Verse 21. Did I tell you that? Okay. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And the actual translation is the town bury their dead. Jesus Christ said, let the town bury their dead. This person said, I wanna, I'll, I'll do that. And he was a disciple. It says he was a disciple, which means he was already somebody that was a disciplined follower. But he's saying that he wants to move on to that other level. And Jesus Christ tells him that if that's the case, then you've got to be prepared to move. You see, the custom was when the man said, let me first bury my father, it doesn't mean his father had just died and Jesus Christ wasn't willing to let him even go to the funeral. That's not what it's talking about. In the East, it was a custom at the time that the oldest son in a household would not move out of that house until the father died. And then he would, in that funeral procession, he had this honored place, this honored position in the funeral procession that they would stay at home their whole lives, if necessary, so to speak, waiting to be a part of that. And Jesus Christ said, no, if you really are serious about this, then follow me and let the town take care of that. 
verse 23. And when he was entered into a, into a ship, his disciples followed him. They followed him in the ship. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. <laughs> you know, my wife says that I can sleep through anything. Well, uh, you know, I'm just following his example, I guess. <laughs> there he is on a ship, and there's a storm at sea so great that now the ship is getting filled with the waves, and Jesus Christ is just sleeping. He's just sleeping. He's not all shook. Verse 25, And the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Wake up, help us, we're going to die here. The ship's going to sink. It's filling up with waves. And he said unto them, verse 26, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? <laughs> I always love that when, when he does that kind of thing. There they are. These are, remember, four of these guys spent their life on the sea. These are not, you know, guys that are going to get shook at the first little rainstorm. This, these are not guys that are going to get shook just because a couple of waves crash over the, the stern. Or bow, I don't know, my, one end of the ship from the other. These are fishermen that do know one end of the ship from the other. And for them to be shook, it must have been quite a, a perilous situation. And yet, he says, why are you afraid? Why, why are you afraid, oh, you of little believing? You know, I love that because I think of how many times situations seem to be such a big deal. And yeah, on a five senses level, I suppose they are. There are things that come up in life. And here was a situation where their lives literally were in jeopardy. And those things are things that we can look at and say, well, we're going to die, or this is terrible. But he said, don't be fearful. Why would you be afraid? Oh, you have little believing. We got to believe bigger in life. We can't get shook when we're in situations that are a little intimidating. We can't get shook in situations that are a lot intimidating, that are really scary. We have to have our minds so locked in that we're just not afraid. We follow him. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, continuing in verse 26, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of, this, of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? He was the Son of God. That's the manner of man he was. The Son of God who had that power of God, the Spirit without measure, and he operated it with great power. He was someone worth following then and now. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, verse 16. Here again in this situation, we have another person who comes and says that he wants to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ again gets him honest about it and shows him that if he wants to do that, then he's got to be serious and there's, there's some commitment involved in it. There's some commitment involved in it. And behold, one came and said unto him, verse 16, 
Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 20, The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus Christ said, Wow, you've done all that from your youth up? Well, You've got it. That's great. That's incredible. I, I'm so thrilled. What does he say? Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and do what? Follow me. Jesus Christ said, That's, that is wonderful, but there's one thing that you need to do here still. And in the parallel record, it talks about, it says, Jesus beholding the man loved him and told him this. He loved him. He loved him enough to point out the one thing that was keeping this man from a complete, total commitment from totally, with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind, and all of his strength, loving God and loving his neighbor as himself. Because with all that he had done in following the Ten Commandments, he still had not given all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. There was still one thing that he had that was more important, and that was all of his stuff. All of his stuff. His stuff was still more important to him than following Jesus Christ. You'll see that by the reaction. But when the young man heard that saying in verse 22, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He had great stuff. He had great stuff. And great there means lots of it. And he wasn't willing to part with it. So he was sad. He was sad. He didn't want to hear that. You know, people want to tell themselves that they're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of people don't want to hear if you tell them that there's something that's keeping them back. Something that's getting in the way of doing that. Some people would rather just be told, well, that's wonderful, rather than really find out what they need to do to follow. Because to follow the Lord Jesus Christ really does take uh, an all-out commitment. It's a matter of how much do you want to follow him. That's what it gets down to. Yeah, you can follow him, you know. You can go to church on Sunday. You can read your Bible once in a while. You can pray when the, when the mood sets you or, or you find yourself on a ship that's sinking. <laughs> That's usually when people pray, right? But to really follow, to really follow, that's a commitment. That's a life commitment. Mm. 
to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ beyond just uh, you know casual. Like I, you know, I follow baseball. I checked the standings today. You know, last time I checked them was maybe a few weeks ago. <laughs> I, I follow it. I'm not a real follower, though, am I? No. No. You know, some people. I don't know anybody in the room is that is serious, but you know. I know people that if I told them I, was, I followed baseball and that meant that I checked the scores or the standings every once in a while, they'd laugh in my face. You, you don't follow baseball. What are you talking about? You know, what, how much do you want to follow? What's the degree? If we want to follow Jesus Christ the way that he said, there's something more to it. Let's keep reading this record. And where we leave off? 24, right? 23. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are, are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? We did this. We really did forsake all. We left our nets. We left our fishing business. We left everything to follow you. So what are we going to get out of this deal? <laughs> That's what he's asking them. What shall we have therefore? Well, Jesus gives them an answer. It's an honest question. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me, and here he's talking to the twelve, in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That wasn't a bad deal. Did they get something for their following? Yeah, because... because God is just. Because when we do follow him, when we do give ourselves and, and place nothing else ahead, then we have something to look forward to. There is a reward for that. And these 12 that made such a great commitment, they had such a great reward. The greater the commitment, the greater the responsibility, but also the greater reward. And it wasn't just them that would be rewarded for following. Keep reading. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Those that have followed will receive great reward. A hundredfold. In the parallel record in Mark chapter 10, when Peter says that they've left off and followed him, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or, father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. See that phrase added? Not just a hundredfold, but a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands 
with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. We're going to receive a hundredfold for what we leave, what we put behind, we will, be, we will receive far more. But it comes with, in this life, persecution. In this life, those that live godly will suffer persecution. There'll be the adversary trying to get at us. There'll be situations that come up. Not everything will be rosy in this life. But that's okay. It'll still be a more than abundant life. And in the life to come, we have eternal life and all that inheritance and reward. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Let's pick it up in verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. So, if you want to be Jesus Christ's disciple, you need to hate your mother, you need to hate your father, grace, okay. You need to hate your children, you need to hate your wife. Oh, good, well, I got that one down, somebody says. <laughs> Is that what he's saying, that you literally should hate all those people? I thought you were supposed to love people, not hate people. Okay. No, it's a figure of speech, and the point of, the, of it is that nothing, even those closest to you cannot be more important to you. Not even father, mother, children, husband, wife, all those that you love, all those that you count dear, all those that you care about, all of those cannot still be more important than God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to love them. We have to love God. We have to love the Lord Jesus Christ. With all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, we, we love others. We love our husbands, wives, children, parents, friends, other people. But no one more than them. No, no one more than, than him. Verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you... Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, and all behold, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth down not first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him, that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, an ambassador, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. What he's telling them there is to consider the cost. Consider the cost. Just like if you were going to build a tower, if you're going to build a great building, you don't want to start building it without making sure you got enough money to finish it. Because a building that's half-built isn't much of any good for anything, is it? No. Or if you were going to go to war, you better make sure that you can win that war. You're better off figuring out what you can do to make peace with the guy, the other country. 
You consider the cost. Do I have what it takes to get this job done? If you're going to say you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, do you have what it takes to get that job done? Are you willing to pay that price? That's what he's telling them. You know, sometimes people take an attitude with inviting people to follow the Lord Jesus Christ that, you know, they're doing him a great favor by, by following him. And sometimes people take, seem to take the attitude that, you know, we should try to convince them of, of how sweet the pot is. But Jesus Christ didn't do that. His love, his words were there. And he says in other places, like in, Matthew, in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Those that are called will hear his voice. Those that are going to follow the good shepherd, they know his voice and they follow. And we have to be willing, if we are truly wanting to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be serious in our commitment, to follow his words, to follow his actions to live like him, to not just be Christians in name or Christians simply by birth, but Christians in that we are Christ-like. That's the calling of those that would truly be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.